Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. By his wounds you have been healed. That is Psalm 102 and also 1 Peter 2.24. And this is the Living the Word Bible Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Sarah Chris Meyer, talking with women about the Bible and the difference it makes in our lives. Back with me today is my favorite Catholic evangelista, Sonia Corbett. She's a woman who's on fire with God's love, who, as she says, has a Bible and a healing charism and is not afraid to use them. Sonia, thank you so much for joining me again. How are things going down in Tennessee? <laughs> Always my pleasure. You know, you cover a lot of topics in your books and your talks, but underneath there's this really simple message that Jesus literally loves us to death. Therefore, we should let him. And I think that the thing that makes your message so powerful is that you came to it after he healed you of really deep woundedness through the scriptures. And I wonder if you could share some of that story. How did he do that for you? Well, I recently discovered through some repeating circumstances, which uh, now I call pop quizzes, but that that wound really was healed. But I have found this Lent, which has been pretty rigorous for me, that the residual effects from the, those wounds that we all carry are lifetime. That's a mm. lifetime proposition, which is, I think, why we're still here, you know, so the main wound, yes, has been healed. And for me, that is a father wound. And my entire ministry really has flowered out of that woundedness and the process that God led me through in healing that, which was, you know, <laughs> lots and lots of repeated circumstances and, and issues in my relationships that pulled up a lot of pain, a lot of memories, a lot of just stuff, you know, mm -hmm. that caused medication and really bad behaviors and all the sin, all of our sin comes out of woundedness. And so that process has been long and arduous and difficult. But part of what I strive to communicate with people is that it is possible. And not only is it possible, but it is a promise, mm -hmm. our healing, our full healing, emotions, thoughts, body, soul, all of that is a promise from God. And so it, we just have to know that. We have to know that it's a process that can actually truly come to a, a final ending point. And then he will continue with that purification of the residual effects, you know, afterward, which is ultimately purgatory. You know, that's the whole process of purgatory and we're meant to do it now. So John of the Cross is really the one who, who started me thinking along those lines and just following him and understanding his his philosophy of suffering and that it's not arbitrary and that it's all meant to order toward our healing. So, you know, that that father wound has been the driving force of all of my formation. Hmm. Authority issues, the pain of of the separation and just all kinds of things, but ultimately what I came to understand is that we all have a father wound because we all have erroneous perceptions of who God is, God, our Heavenly Father, and what He's like. 
And what really started me on that journey was in the Gospel of John in chapter one, where it says Jesus is in the bosom of the Father. And I just thought, wow, I don't know that I ever want to be there. (laughs) That was just a weird, a whole weird thing. But it was very compelling to me. And I wanted to understand what is it that Jesus knows about the Father that I don't know. And interestingly, the the catechism in 2779 confirms that, that the purification of our hearts, it says, has to do with paternal or maternal images stemming from our personal and cultural history, and that influences how we see God. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, when I talk about a father wound, I'm I'm personally talking about my own physical, biological father. But for all of us, it has to do with God, the Father, our Heavenly Father. And Jesus shows us the the surest, safest, quickest, but probably the hardest path Mm. in that healing through those sorrowful mysteries of the rosary. Mm. You know, I heard something about Pope Francis that was pretty interesting. Soon after he became Pope, was after one of his Angelus addresses, He handed out 20,000 little boxes of what he said were spiritual medicine. And inside them, inside of each box, there was a rosary and a divine mercy card and instructions that looked like medical instructions. And he said, don't forget to take this medicine. It's good for your heart. It's good for your soul. It's good for your whole life. And I thought, you know, how it kind of dramatic and clever, but also really effective because the rosary really is effective medicine because it's getting us to focus on the mysteries of Christ's life. It's helping us to draw close to him and helping us to kind of use that sort of the spirit, I guess you would say, uh, you know, that is the word of God by making us focus on it. Yes. And what I have found interesting is that 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 rosary, especially those sorrowful mysteries, those sorrowful mysteries are really a shortened version of the way of the cross mm-hmm. that we do on Fridays during Lent. But that that whole way, you know, it's 14 stations and the rosary then is just, it's a, a more brief way of the cross. Mm-hmm. So we're following Jesus through that process and we're doing it deliberately. And I think that I I never pray those mysteries of the rosary anymore without this understanding of what's happening in those mysteries. It's always very healing for me, those Tuesdays and Fridays, because I have entered so deeply into that process, knowing knowing just that each step, it's purifying and it's cleansing and it's healing as it's meant to be and draws directly from the scriptures and that historical way of the cross, all of that combines with our the the full human person, our our matter, our physical bodies, and then also that that mental and emotional and spiritual part of us too, all of that is engaged in those sorrowful mysteries in that way, our whole being. So that's part of, I think, why it's so effective. Yeah, I think for me, the, I came to the rosary late being a convert, and then also just not really getting it for a while. But I think I find that I can enter much more deeply into that prayer when I do have the scripture in mind. You know, maybe if I meditate on the gospel first, that has to do with that particular mystery and really help my help me to enter into that scene as I pray. And then to allow the Blessed Mother to take me by the hand and lead me into that mystery as well, which she does beautifully, I think. 
yeah, that rosary, that was a hard one for me too. And and I, I remember before I prayed it for the first time, I apologized to God. Oh, said, did you? you know, <laughs> if you're going to be offended, I'm sorry, but everybody says I'm supposed to do this, so I'm going to try it. And yeah. I did the same thing. I used a, a guide and just sort of tried to enter into the narrative that was presented for each mystery. And as I did that, I got it. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. There's nothing weird about this. It's just it's really meditating on the the scriptures is what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I love the, the scriptural rosary that you can pray by, you know, weaving the verses in among them. And it's very helpful. Uh-huh. So I love something that you did for the Living the Word Women's Bible. You applied that. It's by Mark 15 in the Bible. Let me see if I can give you the page. It's on 1555 for those of you who have one of the Living the Word uh, Catholic Women's Bibles. But in that, you gave a reflection on the sorrowful mysteries, and you said that in them, Jesus leads us gently through the safest, most productive, and redemptive path through suffering to healing and peace and union with God. And I wondered if, if you would mind explaining that to us and maybe walking through each one of the mysteries and tell how you take that as a path to healing. All right, so that very first sorrowful mystery is the agony in the garden. And we're told that the fruit of that is abandonment to God's will or just the letting go. Mm. And when we're talking about woundedness, one of the hardest things to do is to simply admit that it happened, that it affected us, that we're never going to be the same. Mm. And entering into the fact that God allowed it That's a really difficult thing to do. God allowed this. And why would he do that? You know, and and what do we do about it now? And so that very first mystery where Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible to you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And what's beautiful about this is that Jesus turns fully to the Father in the knowledge that he is allowing it. Wow. So we too, I'm going to get weepy and I didn't, I didn't, I'm sorry, but um, we too really have to be deliberate in turning to God the Father, who for some reason in his providence allowed something terrible in our lives, maybe many somethings. And in, in my case, it was a childhood of fear and constant criticism and lots of just bizarre manipulation and, and you know, things. And I one of my questions was, why, why would you allow that? Mm-hmm. Why do you allow these kinds of things to happen to children who are innocent? They don't, you know, they're, they're not at fault. And Part of what we want to do is turn away from God. We want because we somehow we recognize that he could have stopped it and he didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing to wrestle with. And so what we see Jesus doing in that first mystery is that he turns to the Father, not away. And that is a mm-hmm. hard thing to do when you're carrying a lot of pain and trying to understand why the people who love you are are supposed to love you don't. Mm-hmm. They don't love you in ways that are that are nurturing and constructive and healthy. Mm-hmm. And so that first step, then we 
decide, we make a willful decision to enter into Gethsemane with Christ, to turn toward the Father in that crushing, because the word Gethsemane, it comes from oil press, the Mm -hmm. crushing of the olives for the oil. And so we see Jesus is crushed where he sweats blood and he's, he's entering in purposefully. He goes deliberately. And so that first mystery is, is about our decision to enter into the process of healing, Mm -hmm. to enter into the process of acknowledging that somehow God, that he allowed it, we'll say, and that our support can come from him. It should come from him. Typically, we turn away from him in in self-medication, in unforgiveness, in lots of things, very destructive things. And in entering into Gethsemane with Christ, then we're entering into the crushing, the experience, the re-experience in some cases, or at least the acknowledgement of the memories as they arise, but the wound. We enter into the wound on purpose. We enter in order to seek our support from God, and we enter in order to turn away from self-medication and into the wound itself, the hurt of it, the Mm -hmm. pain of it, the acknowledgement of the truth of it. And when we do that, We want to also keep in mind that while we're denying ourselves the self-medication, that's when all the ugly comes up, all the emotion, all the memories, all of that stuff. I mean, it's just really, really, really difficult, but it's the first step. Mm -hmm. And he shows us that we can do that. We can enter. Not only can we enter with him, but he enters with us. It's an accompaniment. We enter into it with that first sorrowful mystery, but he's already there. He's already been there. He's walking with us. That just made me think of the way he calls out to his disciples, you know, will nobody stay with me? And in a way, he's asking us to stay with him in that pain. And the beauty of that picture of the olive press, you know, that's how they, how you get the healing oil and the light and the food that come from the olives. And perhaps that's just a little sign to us that God is able to transform that pressure, that pressing into something life-giving and healthful and Yes, John of the Cross 101. (laughs) Suffering is never arbitrary. It's always ordered to Mm -hmm. our healing and the healing of those wounds. So that's that first mystery, that agony in the garden. And we're, we're essentially letting go of turning away from God. And instead, we're turning toward him, knowing that Jesus is already there and Mm -hmm. that he's accompanying us. And then we have that scourging at the pillar, the second sorrowful mystery. And the fruit of that is said to be purification. Mm. And this is where the rubber starts to meet the road. Because Isaiah 53, 5 says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Iniquity means twistedness or crookedness. Mm -hmm. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. And with his stripes, we are healed. We are freed. This mystery is about the retracing of the stripes that we have received from maybe it's one wounder, maybe it's more than one, but typically all of our woundedness comes down to a single root that is typically rooted in a maternal wound or a paternal wound a biological parent or a parent figure of some sort, an authority figure. 
And so we can be confident that as we have entered into the garden with with Jesus, as we enter into the process of healing, that our suffering, our pattern of suffering, I should say, whatever that is, our pattern of suffering is meant to help us heal the individual offenses, the individual hurts, the individual wounds that we've received, typically from a a parental figure of some sort. But that's what comes up in the garden. When you're not self-medicating, you start you start getting all this anxiety and all this all these memories start to come up or you know what what is it I'm trying to self-medicate? What is it I don't want to feel? What is it I don't want to see? What is it I don't want to acknowledge or remember? And as those things come up, those are the stripes. And we can cling to the fact that Jesus took those stripes on himself. And in so doing, he heals us through his gift, through his gift of receiving those stripes himself. And he enters into our woundedness and we enter into his woundedness and we can retrace those memories, which of course is a process. It's not a one rosary thing. But just knowing that that's what's happening that it is an ongoing process, that there will be many things, many memories, many hurts that that arise in prayer as we enter into that healing process. And every single one of them can be healed in Christ by taking it to Him. We take it directly to Him. Where were you here? Hmm. How... Can you enter into this wound with me and heal it? What do you want to show me about it? What do you want me to know about it? And as we give it to him, he pours that that blood that and that oil of healing into each of those things just in the process of our opening those up to him. Mm-hmm. And so the healing then occurs in presenting to him our own stripes. So it's sort of a it's a little dance, you know, where it's his stripes that heal us, but he walks us through our own stripes, memory by memory, wound by wound, offense by offense, so that all of those can come to the surface and be acknowledged and healed in his mm. presence. Beautiful. So that's that scourging at the pillar. Every one of those stripes can be healed. And then we have that third mystery, the crowning with thorns. And this is where we get the church says moral courage. We get courage. I have found a lot of people don't want to enter this process. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> the whole but, process. But here's the thing, right? I mean, it's it's not fun. Yeah. It's not fun at all. But it's the essence of purgatory. And and here's here's the thing: if we don't do it now, we will do it later. Hmm. We will do it later. And we will do it if if we make it to purgatory, and there's no guarantee we will, but if we do, then we have no support. We have no sacraments. We have no way to merit. We have no medical help. We have we have no help. You know, it's just us and God and, mm-hmm. and the, the bare wound, you know, and it's raw and open and all that. So why wouldn't we do it now, first of all? But then secondly, the scriptures tell us that grandchildren are the crown of the aged and that our our sin patterns are often generational patterns they're handed on to us from our parents and we perpetuate them unless we stop them 
So that crown of thorns, then the crowning is being willing to be the one who stops the process, Hmm. being willing to be the one who, if you cannot do it for yourself, perhaps you will be able to do it for your children and your grandchildren because somebody has to stop it. If nobody stops it, it just perpetuates and we hand it to our children and they hand it to theirs. And so Jesus said in Luke 23, he was, he was followed by a great multitude of people, also women who beat their breasts and mourned over him. But he turned to them and he said, it is not for me that you should weep, daughters of Jerusalem. You should weep for yourselves and for your children. Hmm. And he says that on that, that way of the cross. And so what we're essentially doing is crowning those after us with freedom and healing from generational sin patterns as we heal. Hmm. And I remember being very frustrated with the process. And, and I said, Lord, I'm such a hypocrite. I'm trying really hard, but I'm not a good example here. And my outbursts typically of anger or whatever are not a good example. And I don't even want people looking at me, you know, as some sort of Christian, because I'm not a good example for that. In my reading, he led me to Isaiah where he says that I will be hallowed in you as they watch you and your purification and your healing. And I was just so struck mm -hmm. by that. I was like, oh my gosh. So even the difficulty that we have in the process and the ways we act out and we fail and fall, even those God will use for the benefit of both us and other people so that every one of those thorns becomes a piece of the crown. Hmm. And that healing, ultimately, we know that God has done it. We know, I mean, we have offered our little bit of cooperation in just being willing to, to feel all the ugly that's involved in that. But ultimately, we know that he is the one that made it possible. And he is the one who healed us through that process. And so that crown that we end up with our crown of healing, we present it back to him. We reign with him too. And you know, that crown, right. it's a royal crown. He's king and we yes. reign with him. But I love what you just said, that the thorns are part of that. His thorns are part of that. And he had to go through that. And we share in that also with the hope that that's the end. Exactly. The end, we have to always keep the end in front of us because, you know, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews tells us that, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. I mean, we're not supposed to be tiptoeing through the tulips here. You know, it's, 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 we despise it. It's a way that we can hate intelligently. We despise the shame of it. We despise how we sin out of the woundedness. We despise the suffering that it, it requires and, and that, that we perpetuate. We despise all of that. But it also says that for the joy set before him, mm -hmm. he endured the cross, despising the shame. So yes, the crown is part of that. The healing is the crown. And it does make us kings and priests with him, in him, with him, through him. And ultimately, that's what we look toward. We keep that in front of us so that we can take the next step because it is an arduous Amen. journey. And then we have the carrying of the cross. And that's a tough one. The cross ultimately is, it's humiliating. It was humiliating for him. The prophecies said that cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree. 
And so it was a humiliation for Christ. And it is for us as well. As we see our weakness over and over and over again, we are just dragging that thing around with us like a ball and chain. And for Mm -hmm. me, that meant my wounder. Oh, my. In a family, you know, you can't just get rid of your family. You can separate from them, and sometimes that's necessary. And for me, that was necessary to get some space for healing. I had to separate from from my father, but he is my father, Mm -hmm. and I am commanded to honor him as my father. So part of my cross was trying to figure out how to do that. Mm -hmm. How do I honor him in God, you know, as my biological father? How do I honor him without letting him hurt me? And and that ends up being, I mean, it's a cross, you mm-hmm. know, you're, you're trying so hard to be charitable and to honor someone who perpetually hurts you. And so you have to figure out the balance between what is a boundary and what is charity. And ultimately, boundaries are charity, you know, for both us and, and them. That's a very difficult kind of process and so you do sort of feel like you're dragging them around with you forever. And, and that's how I came to understand that mystery is this will be my cross forever because he's my father forever. And so I owe him the right of honor as my father. But what that what is that going to look like? And I know that God will hold me accountable for how I treat him. And so it really did feel like a cross. And for a lot of us who have been wounded by our parents, it does sometimes feel like good grief. You know, I'm going to have this forever. And we do in some in some ways, even when the wounds are healed, we still bear the scars. Mm-hmm. And so there's a sense in which we will carry that cross for the rest of our lives. E- even if a wounder is not apparent necessarily, you still have that predominant fault that the church, you know, that that besetting sin, the Bible calls it, that we carry forever. Mm-hmm. And mine is a rebellion against authority because the authority was my dad. And I have to, you know, I'm going to continue to battle that for the rest of my life. I'm battling her right now in Lent. You know, right now I'm, I'm wrestling with an issue of authority and submitting my will. And that's a tough thing to do. And it comes out of my woundedness. That difficulty with authority comes from my woundedness with my father. And so it's it's just something that I'll carry for the rest of my life. And we just have to know that. We have to know that that even when it's it's healed, we still struggle with those issues because they are formative, you know, from our earliest days. So then what is necessary is forgiveness, mm-hmm. right? We carry that cross and we carry our wounder to the cross as we forgive them who have trespassed against us. And we can leave them there. We can mm-hmm. leave them at the foot of the cross knowing that God loves them too and that he's not chosen them over us or us over them and that he can heal us both and he can heal the relationship in some measure, you know, however that's possible, he can do that and and he will. So healing then is a process and we just have to know it and it will be with us for the rest of our lives. And that's part of the cross, the suffering and the woundedness will just carry it forever. Yay! <laughs> but then also <laughs> just thinking about that that mystery, you know, Simon helping him carry his cross and Jesus us offering it up to him and sharing that burden with him and he's sharing it with us so we can carry it together and we know what it's going to end at because it's being united with his cross, which is going to end up in resurrection at some point. So 
Yes. And it's interesting. What came to mind just now was when Jesus says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light, mm-hmm. that yoke is, is a sort of a crossbar. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and he's carrying the main, the main load of it. Yeah. You know, we just have to learn how to wear it with him so that it is easy and light. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately, it can be. I mean, you know, I know that seems so absurd, but it really can be. And it can be a gift. I mean, it's a it's a gift that we're offering to the Lord because we are bearing that burden. But it's a gift to your father also that you're carrying it in that manner. And who knows how someday he may respond to the fact that you loved him that much to carry That's that a good cross. Point. That's been a really difficult thing for me. What I have found is that in order to remain safe, <laughs> mm-hmm. what I do is I have masses perpetually said for him mm-hmm. because there's not much other way that I can stay connected to him. And I know that that is efficacious. And so I do it. I constantly do it. And I can't wait one day to find out what the fruit of all of those masses has been mm-hmm. because I do. I long for that. I, I know I, and have accepted that we're never going to have the relationship that we could have had, and that that's fine. But I do want him to have that relationship with God, mm-hmm. his heavenly father, because I recognize that his woundedness comes from his his parents, you know, and I know what some of those are, and, and I understand them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. So I long for him to have that healing with God the Father, you know, and so I, I pray that those masses are, are fruitful in that way for him. I don't know, even to the last second, I guess, you know, of his life. So, Well, it has to make an impact on him. I mean, imagine if you had reacted in a more human way and fought his authority all the time and given it right back to him. And that would just perpetuate the pain and make it worse and worse and worse. So each time... It never never helps. No. (laughs) You know, that stuff never helps. I mean, typically with a parent like mine, they're never going to acknowledge their role in your woundedness. They're never going to. And once you accept that, you stop trying to force it. And so that's part of Gethsemane. You know, you just stop trying to force it and you just go with the process for yourself. You can't make someone else heal, but your process of healing, it does reverberate throughout the whole church and also throughout your own family. So that's part of that crown. You know, we we yep. hope for that and we long for that and we we expect that because that's what God has promised us. And that leads us then to that final mystery, Jesus is crucified, the fifth sorrowful mystery. And the fruit of that, the church tells us, is the forgiveness of injuries. And so we are ultimately, we accept what has been allowed and we enter into forgiveness, not toxic forgiveness, where, you know, we continue to allow people to hurt us or we continue to hurt others through through that. But true forgiveness, which Jesus teaches in Matthew 18, is simply the, the cancellation of the debt. Hmm. They don't owe you anything anymore. My father does not owe me any sort of apology. He doesn't owe me an explanation. He doesn't owe me anything. I don't expect anything from him. All of that debt has been completely canceled. He did owe me. He owed me the right of being a treasured, cherished daughter. Mm. But that's all gone. You know, that's never going to happen. And he doesn't owe me that anymore. And I have canceled that debt. And that's what we're called to do. We're not called necessarily to a reconciliation with someone who is incapable of a relationship. 
Jesus is playing in, in Matthew 18 about what forgiveness is and what it isn't. And basically, he just says it is the forgiveness of a debt. But unforgiveness, he says there, also is demonic torture. So it's <laughs> necessary that we forgive. We just simply cancel that debt. And so we are then, we're leaning into the realities of the darkness of how it feels to be crucified like that, mm. where it's not going to be different, probably. I, I hope so, but it's probably not. And that's hard that you have to grieve that. You have to grieve what could have been. And that's also its own process. But forgiveness cancels the expectation that the other person will ever change. We hope for that and we pray for that and we work toward that as best we can and still keep ourselves safe. But in doing that, we really have to be overwhelmed by that darkness. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. You know, that's an overwhelming feeling of just, man, this is just never going to be different, probably. And I have to get okay with that. And I have to release this person from the expectation of being different. We have to accept them faults and all. We don't have to let them hurt us. And, and in fact, charity demands that we love ourselves in God and we love them in God too. So that demands that we protect ourselves. But it's still tough. It's tough to sort of let yourself feel the darkness of that and the abandonment mm -hmm. of that the way the way Jesus did. And this is where then we can ask God, where were you? Where were you? Where are you now in my wound? Where are you in this darkness? And he will reveal himself over time if we if we allow him to do that. And so that process then, you know, I continue to pray these mysteries of the rosary with this in mind and that continued healing both for me and for him. And the whole church, really, because we all kind of, you know, we have to go through the process. And if we go deliberately, if we go with the intention of this healing, it's much less painful because we have that hope. We have that hope of resurrection. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's a tomb, but it ends in a resurrection somehow. And so that's what we keep in the, the forefront of our minds. Well, and that's, you know, the mystery of grace. And I think when we are willing to extend that forgiveness to other people, it gets rid of the bitterness that can be way worse even than the pain that we, the bitterness when we hang on to unforgiveness, that just compounds the pain that we're feeling from the wound. But it also it does, opens, it also prevents healing. It's, it a, it's a barrier. It's a stronghold. It is a, it will totally abort the whole process. Well, and it aborts the process of the Lord forgiving us, because if we won't forgive That's other people, too. he can't forgive us. So it really yep. creates a great space for grace within our own souls. Beautiful. I love the way you do that, the way you apply meditating on those mysteries just to our own wounds. And I think that's a really beautiful way that we can pray through those, both this Holy Week, you know, we have the, we're entering the Triduum right now and Good Friday tomorrow. But whenever you're listening to this, you know, we can pray with these mysteries anytime that we need healing. And I wonder if you would be willing to lead us through 
kind of a modified rosary for healing using these, sort of showing people how they might approach each of the different mysteries as we pray through them in an abbreviated way. Sure. So certainly in a podcast like this, as the listeners are listening, certain wounds have come to mind. And those are what we want to take to him through our prayer of these. We're going to do an abbreviated version. We're going to do one Hail Mary for each of the mysteries. And we want to do it with the intention of the healing of the wound that the Holy Spirit has brought to mind throughout the podcast. And so we will start then with that first mystery, the agony in the garden, and we will pray. Do you, do you think we could start with an Our Father since we've been talking about okay, Father Wounds? Do, yes. Start let's with that do. and so, then go on to the Hail Mary. Yes, acknowledging Him as our Heavenly Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. So that first mystery is the agony in the garden. And so we go with the intention to Gethsemane with Jesus and giving him permission to heal us and help us heal whatever it was that he has revealed through the podcast. And so we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The second sorrowful mystery is the scourging at the pillar, and we offer it with the intention of retracing our wounds with Christ and in His presence, these particular offenses and hurts. And we remember that wound with Him, the pain of it, and we ask Him what He wants us to know about it. And so we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The third sorrowful mystery is the crowning with thorns. And we pray this Hail Mary with the intention of breaking cycles of sin for ourselves and our families so that the thing that has hurt us or the things that have hurt us, they end up becoming our crown. And so we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The fourth sorrowful mystery is the carrying of the cross, in which we pray for the intention of carrying our cross, that of our wounder, and also our predominant fault, through our healing process through the rest of our lives. Because healing is not an event, but a process of ever deeper self-knowledge that we commit to afresh with this Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the fifth sorrowful mystery is the crucifixion. And we pray this Hail Mary with the thanksgiving that one day it is finished. 
Jesus says from the cross, there will be an end to our pain. And so we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary. Mother of God, pray Pray for for us us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And then we, like Jesus, fall into the arms of our mother in our very own Pieta. Lord Jesus, on earth, you showed such special tender care for people who needed healing. And not only that, you took our grief, you took our sorrow and our pain, our stripes onto your own to make us whole. And I pray that you will look with mercy on everyone who suffers illness and injury of any kind, particularly those who are listening today. And may your word be to them a healing balm. May we all, as we meditate on your passion, find courage and strength to carry our crosses and to find hope and life and peace and healing in you. Mary, Mother of Sorrows, Mother of the Word, pray for us. Amen. I love you, Sarah. Oh, I love you too, Sonia. (laughs) Thank you so much for being with me today and for showing this path of healing prayer. And thank you all for listening. I'm going to put the steps in our show notes so that you can pray on your own, or you can read Sonia's essay, which is next to Mark 15 in the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible. And Sonia, I understand you have some materials too that can help. Where can people find out more about your books and ministry and other ways to do this? My website is a Bible study evangelista.com. And there is a series actually called Healing the Father Wound. Each episode is a basically an hour series of each of these mysteries and going more deeply into those. So mm-hmm. that's available on Bible study evangelista.com. You can just search my name too, and it'll pop right up. Beautiful. I will put them in your bio on the um, on the homepage for this. Beautiful. So this is Sarah Chris Meyer, and this has been Living the Word Bible Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I would love to know what your favorite way is to meditate on the passion. And so we will post a poll on our Instagram story today at Living the Word Bible, or you can head to the episode description and share your opinion with us. And please join me every Thursday for conversations with women who love and live God's Word. The Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible is available all this year for the special price of $59.95 and free shipping at AveMariaPress.com. Just use the promo code BiblePodcast, all one word. Have a blessed Triduum and Easter, and may God bless you as you read His Word. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.